WBLA Talk 1580. Good morning and God bless. Happy Monday. I'm Dominique DePrima. The show is called First Things First. My first thing today and every day, giving thanks, giving praises, asking for blessings from the Most High, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders, and getting it going. What a week we have in store for you around here. I won't drop it all right now. You know what we do, though. The first hour of this show, which is actually called First Things First, is local. What's going on here in uh, on the left coast, this side of town? Uh, hour two, we go national, international, and beyond. And in the third hour, we do a deep dive with a person of interest, a hot topic today. Uh, Butcher Brown will be in the studio with me. I'm really excited about that. They are jazz artists, but also hip-hop and little rock and some funk. It's uh, quite a wonderful um, blend. If you haven't uh, checked them out, do not miss this. If you have, you're, I know you're really happy right now because uh, they have a worldwide fan base. And so, of course, it's Monday. We'll do our Mindful Monday um, bit. We do that every Monday, get our intention right, get our mind together for the week ahead. And it is also um, no exception in the sense of having partners in politics. I'll call them partners, plural, because I got two folks in studio live with me. I love that everyone's showing up in studio live today. That makes it a lot more fun for all of us, especially those of you in the YouTube chat, which is youtube.com. And then you type in KBLA 1580. Please join us, follow, like, subscribe on all the socials. It's KBLA 1580. And I'm there at Deprima Radio, D-I-P-R-I-M-A, and then radio. Um, Joining us in studio, a couple of guests um, for over 20 years. Our, our first guest has been a dedicated public service uh, servant since starting out her county career from overseeing billion-dollar budgets to leading the Department of Children and Family Services Office of Equity. She's known and recognized for her leadership in taking on some of L.A. County's most pressing problems. Ms. Ariva Turner, Welcome. Good morning, Dominique. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you in. And it's funny, too, because, um, you know, we have one Ariva around here, Ariva Martin, who hosts our afternoon drive. So that's that's a popular name around here, Miss Turner. And, and it's actually Dominique Arena, just Arena. like sports arena. Oh, OK, OK, OK. That's probably why we wrote it wrong, because we have an Ariva. So you're Arena. <laughs> Not a problem. My apologies. Uh, very nice to meet you. Um and you have been working on all kinds of different countywide initiatives um, within the uh, the deputy um, CEO's office. You know, all of us that live in L.A. County, I think we really don't even understand the massive, uh, the massive apparatus that is the L.A. County uh, government. Yeah. 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 And all of the many things that uh, you do. I, I mean, I... I thought I knew, and then when I started exploring, when uh, my my friend, um, you know, stood up the the Department of uh, Justice, Care and Opportunities, I I found out about a lot of things I didn't even know existed. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so as Steve Harvey used to say uh, back in the day, you go to work and you do what? <laughs> <laughs> you serve. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but in your in your yeah. specific position. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you, uh, Dominique. Again, you know, I just want to let you know that I have been a longtime fan and listener of yours. <laughs> and so I'm just, this is an honor to be here with you today and just to really just kind of highlight and talk about some of the issues that are important to you as well as the community. Um, I've been with the county, um, as you've stated, 20 years just really being of service. And my background actually stems from the community um, working with Watts Labor Action Community and um, just coming over to L.A. County and really honing in into just being a, a part of those needed services for our community. Yeah, absolutely. We're also joined by... Um Hi, uh, Jamie Estrada, Program Manager at the L.A. County Department of Children and Family Services. He's a Azusa Pacific graduate, a sociologist, um, and uh, has also been with L.A. County for 20 years now um, doing uh, work that, I guess, touched your own life when you were a child. Yeah, definitely. And, and Dominique, thank you for having me as well. But uh, I was adopted at 12. And uh, so it seemed very natural for me to go into social work. Uh, my life has kind of just evolved around adoption and the child welfare system, having been adopted, adopting our two sons from um, the foster care system, and now having worked for the department for 20 years. So this is my life. This is my passion. Yeah. Well, um, and, you know, I think the um, all of the aspects of child services within the county, a lot of times what we hear is we hear the headlines and we hear uh, the, you know, the slip ups. We don't so much know about the day to day work. Um, and, and it's interesting because when you, it seems like we've come a long way in terms of how we deal with foster children, probably from when you were 12. Um, and so that's there's some good news there, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think about the child welfare system from when back when I was 12 and and I think sometimes what we forget, uh, because we often talk about the child welfare system as a system, but coming from someone who was in the system and now working in the system, uh, you know, I came into work with the intentions to do good. And I know that very many of our workers have that same intentions. They have that fire and that passion. And so when you read the headlines or you hear what's on the news, it can take away from some of that passion and the work that people are really there to do uh, within the community. So I, also, I often like to remind people about the personal lives that um, people have within the workforce, as well as within the communities, of course. And, you know, uh, the other thing about the county, I mean, I, I know that there's been a lot of work done. I remember under uh, Supervisor Ridley Thomas, he did yeah. a lot of work around putting an equity lens on everything, right? Yeah. And I know that work continues with our current board. I mean, we've had mm -hmm. some big wins in that in that area. But how does that, what does that even look like when you're talking about, um, you know, L.A. County and the... Um, and the services, because the services are for everyone. It's a huge yeah. county. Our county is bigger than many countries, yeah. let alone states. Yeah. And, and, and so you're, you're right, Dominique, in, in that um, this work has started many, many years ago. Um, and I, I do want to just share with our current leadership, um, our current board, as you mentioned, we are being more intentional, more meaningful about what we do when we talk about equity. We know that there's some systemic issues that we continue to address, particularly for our foster youth. But um, we're, we're in it. We're in it. And we do have some big wins. We um, are 
going bolder in our uh, initiatives and our policies and procedures to make sure that we have um, the community voice at the table when we talk about our practices, when we talk about how are we really intentionally engaging with the community. And we know that the community have to be at the table when we make those decisions. Right. And, you know, we don't even know, always know what's going on. So if if I'm um, interested in you know, being at the table in more than a after-the-fact way when I'm mad about something that didn't go down the way I thought it should. What would you recommend, Jamie? I would recommend for uh, to, to be at the table, to continue to be at the table, and to challenge and question and sometimes learn and listen. Um, but I also wanted to just back up a quick moment because I think you asked a, very, a question that kind of allowed me to think about a little bit more, which was, uh, what does that look? What does equity look like? And and for me, and having been the LGBT plus program manager, um, equity for me means learning about who we are serving, and what are their experiences in our community, and what can we do to make their experiences better. So for our child welfare system, let's focus on safety, well being, and permanency, um, especially for for our most um, uh, the populations and. And when we talk about data, we're very data-driven, but I, mm-hmm. I always remind people data is just how we learn about people's lives and, and the way that we capture that to allow us to use it then to make things better, hopefully, is what we intend to do. So I wanted to touch on that as well. I think when you talk about the foster system, too, especially, but any anywhere within child services and the overlap with LGBTQ issues, a lot of young LGBTQ plus folks do end up in the system for yeah. all kinds of various reasons. Uh, do you, th- in what ways are we doing a better job of serving that population? Well, I can speak to that because yeah. that's my job, right? And so what we're doing better is we're teaching our social workers that it's okay to talk about sexual orientation mm-hmm. and gender. And oftentimes, young people these days are ready to talk about it, whereas some of our social workers that have been in the in the field for a long time are maybe not there yet. And so we're letting them know it's okay to talk about sexual orientation and gender, and this is why, because our young people, especially our unhoused young people, often are LGBTQ+. And so if we can talk about sexual orientation and gender, we can learn about who people are, and we can get them connected to what are sometimes life-saving services, whether it's through one of the centers or through some of our community agencies that have expertise in working with the community. Yeah, I I formerly was on the board of this organization called My Friend's Place in Hollywood. And that that was when when I first came to L.A. (laughs) And I was working in Hollywood. Um, And I was just really shocked and saddened to learn how many kids come to the Greyhound station, you know, and pursuing a Hollywood dream or kids that are kicked out of their own homes here in the Southern California area uh, because of their sexual orientation. And I'm surprised to hear you say that we're more open to talking about it now because it seems like with all of these restrictions, you know, that you can't teach about this and don't say gay and, you know, don't say black and whatever other, you know, it seems like we're moving the opposite direction. Yeah. And, and, you know, as Jamie mentioned, he is definitely the expert in this field for our department. But I will say that um, our department understands and our county leadership understands that we do need the community to engage and we do need the community to listen in on some of the concerns as well as to um, 
transform some of the things that we've been doing and we have not been getting it right and we understand that and so that's why we now have moved in a more bolder way we have something that we're working on and I can't really share it um, t- today not but, yet um, <laughs> and, and hopefully we can bring those folks back that yeah. I'm speaking of but I'm, I, in terms of our faith based community. Um, We are all in with uh, the faith community partners, as well as some of our advocates and and our stakeholders, just such as yourself, to really help message and get the voice out that we hear you, we see you, we are are here with you to champion um, and, and help you thrive and succeed. So when Jamie talked about safety, permanency and well-being we take that wholeheartedly and so he definitely can speak more to some of the just uh grassroots of what we're doing in our department around lgbtq yeah but i mean well we're going to continue this conversation but i mean i i think some of those uh concerns or questions also apply to young black people for sure um and we in our overrepresentation in, in these systems so we'll look at that and more when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Last minute shopping? Ulta Beauty has everything I need for everyone on my list. Ready to gift fragrance kits from YSL and Valentino. And the hottest gift sets from MAC, Tarte, and Lancome. Plus, everyone loves an Ulta Beauty gift card. Shop last minute gifts that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Hurry in store or place your online pickup order today. Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. For all of us, this generation and And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now now we are broadcasting live uh, from Leimert Park, Africatown, USA, and also streaming on YouTube at KBLA 1580. We're being joined in studio live uh, from uh, DCFS in Los Angeles County. Uh, Miss Arena Turner, let me not call you Ariva. <laughs> and uh, we're also being ja- joined by Jamie Estrada. Talking about, um, you know, all of these changes that are going on. Our, our county, I think, my perspective as a voter slash activist is that we really did um, take a lot of the momentum and a lot of the... Um, energy around the protests of 2020 and translate that into policy, right? So it didn't just stay in the streets. Um, this idea of care first and a, a different lens on, or maybe perhaps an adjusted priority on how we're um, dealing with everything in the county. Yeah. So when you say bold, Arena Turner, give me an example of what you're talking about. Um, so say, for instance, as I, I mentioned, we have um a program, an initiative that's called Cultural Brokers. And with the Cultural Brokers, we have um, our pastors at the table. We have our community uh, advocates at the table. We have um, some of uh, our uh, former DCFS uh, foster youth at the table that have lived experience. We have our staff, our social workers at the table. And we have um, our leadership at the table. And in, in 
in that experience, we're allowed to talk about how we can better improve our engagement with our families, how we can better improve our engagement with the community, and just overall. And I do want to just uplift something uh, a bit, Dominique, because um, I do, as I mentioned, I listen to you, and I, mm-hmm. I take what you say wholeheartedly. You mentioned something last week in your um show, and I believe it was around reparations, and you said when the conditions of black people improve, we all benefit. And that theme is something that DCFS, we believe in, our county leadership believe in, which is why, um, as you're familiar with, we have um, initiatives at the various highest level within our county um, in our department to where we're looking at how can we improve our relationship, our engagement with black families, in particular um, our black foster youth. And as we talk about LGBTQ plus foster youth who, when you put the layer on, right, we're already as black foster youth overrepresented in every system that you can imagine. And given our charge is uh, children and family services, we're overrepresented in our system. We're underrepresented in areas that we need to be. And then we're uh, there's disparate tre- treatment across the board. And so we need to be more intentional. So, But when you look at LGBTQ+, and you layer that on top of the overrepresentation, it's just another layer of trauma. And so Jamie can speak more to how do we address that, because that's really where we're headed as a leadership, when we be intentional, more meaningful to help black families, as you've indicated, everyone benefits. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's, I don't know why that's complicated, but it sounds like you get it. When you take the folks who are, you know, being shut out, locked out, and pushed down the most, and you lift them up, of of course, when you raise the floor, of course, it raises the ceiling. Exactly. Jamie, uh, you know, talk to Jamie Strata, talk to me about um, what Ms. Turner is is pointing out, you know, how we are um, making making those adjustments and those bold changes. Yeah, I think about, uh, you know, we often talk about at work about the intersectionality between black and LGBTQ plus. And we really lean in a lot on um, like the Trevor Project who puts out biannual studies where we're learning about black and especially when we talk about gender. So our black trans and um, being killed or committing suicide due to family rejection and things like that. And how can we learn from that? And I love that you said lift up. And, and that's what we talk about when, when we talk about equity. We often kind of differ between what is equality versus equity. And so when we learn about equity, that's what we're doing. We're lifting up the people who need it because they've been shut out, because they've been, sometimes we hear the mer- word marginalized. Um, you know, on the outskirts of society. So equity is then giving the focus to the people who have been shut out to lift them up, to give them opportunities to thrive. When you when you say um, black trans folks, um, you know, we know that they're being murdered at a, a higher rate than yeah. other trans people and other LGBTQ plus people. But it's not the families that are murdering them. They're just, you know, they're, it's, 
based on attitudes, it's a hate crime, right? It's right. like what's going on in our society on a broader level. Yeah, and that's what we're learning. We're learning that, um, you know, LGBTQ plus people are more likely to use drugs, are more like, I mean, they manifest their trauma in ways in which people don't understand. And because of that, we often don't focus on the gender. We focused on the behaviors, but we often don't get to why they have behaviors. Um, you know, my kids are 13 and 15, and I figured the best way to learn how to talk about these things with people is to age appropriately, learn how to talk about these with uh, these issues with your kids. That's how I am able to kind of express and verbalize my feelings around it. I, I talk with my kids age appropriately. You know, one is Mexican, one is black, and I try to figure out ways to get them connected to cultures, all different cultures, but definitely their cultures, so they can learn um, and be prepared for what, you know, is reality. Mm, yeah, well, I don't know how you could be prepared for what is reality having teenagers, but that's yeah, yeah, that <laughs> another <is> conversation <laughs> for another day. But, um, it, you know, it, it is and it is always a question of age appropriate, right? And that's, that's the part yeah. people, I think, don't get. When you, when you said earlier, you know, it's okay to talk about sexual orientation. I feel like, you know, in some parts of even, I want to say California, maybe not L.A. County, but neighboring counties, you, they don't want you to, us to talk at all. Right. And, and, and the, you know, what I get a sense from, because I, I listen to people in the community, I listen to our, our workforce, I listen to community-based organizations, and sometimes what I get is people have this feeling that when we say talk about sexual orientation and gender, uh, and sorry for my bluntness, that we're going to walk in and, and ask people, are you gay? Are you transgender? <laughs> that, that is not what we're doing. What we're, you know, who are, who, who is your friend group? Who are you hanging out with? Um, you know, do you have a special someone in your, these are all ways that we can explore kind of who people are. And that's all about, for me, that's what social work is all right, about. Right, without leading yeah. them down any particular path. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I do think it's good to talk about these things because people aren't there, so they don't know, and they just, we sometimes yeah. just go to whatever everyone's saying on social media, which is uh, not always a reliable yeah. source. Right. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. We've got news, traffic, and sports right now. We wish you a holiday season filled with peace and love and a new year rich with blessings. Mask up and stay safe. From all of us at KBLA Talk 1580. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. And uh, I guess I could say DCFS is in the building. Um, that might sound crazy, but we're learning about the changes and the opportunities uh, that are happening. Ms. Uh, Arena Turner is with us. She's division chief uh, over there. And Jamie Estrada, uh, who's a program manager. Now, when um, we were talking about these big, bold changes, sometimes those changes manifest. First of all, sometimes they don't they don't happen overnight, right? right. So we, I mean, if you're a voter like me and then you vote for something and then you don't see it immediately happening, sometimes we think, oh, this isn't happening. But the county is big and it doesn't always move at lightning speed, right? Yeah. Doesn't yeah. mean it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about how some of these changes manifest as programs, as policies that, you know, are tangible for us, the, I guess, the residents of L.A. County. Well, I think, and, and I guess I'll, I'll jump in first, Jamie. I think for the residents in particular, um, as we talk about our foster youth um, and our families even, um, 
when we're engaging and meeting them with the services and the support that they need, whether it's housing, whether it's employment services, um, whether it's um, clothing, whatever their their needs are, right? The basic needs that we all need. Um, we try to connect our families with those resources, and we do that in a way um, with our um, collaborative efforts, I'll say it that way. And that's with our mental health, with our health services, with um, public and social services. So we have uh, relationships within the county as well as um, with our community-based organizations and our agencies that we partner to make sure that our foster families have the needs that will help them uh, thrive and will help them be more sustainable. And so when you talk about how the community feels and know that things are moving and happening, we have that type of uh, partnership with uh, our sister county departments. And I, I, I also think about the Office of Equity as it relates to like what programs. And so, you know, the Office of Equity at the DCFS has been around for four years. And so prior to four years ago, we did not have, I'd say, a devoted, you know, full-time staff to really give focus to, you know, the needs of these uh, populations. So like LGBTQ+, I've been with the department almost 20 years, and I was an LGBTQ+, champion, but I did that as a volunteer, you know, as a gay man in the department and just wanting to improve lives for LGBTQ+, youth. I did that in, to, in addition to my regular work duties. And so, you know, we learn as we go, right? And so the department has learned that it is, um, you know, they need devoted people in these spaces to really lift up those populations and the needs for their safety and well-being. So when I think about programs, you know, we have now, this is my full time, I get to focus on LGBTQ plus youth, their safety, their well-being, how they're doing. And we have a policy actually for LGBTQ plus youth and how we engage them and how we talk about gender affirming health care and things of that nature. So we're seeing these programs come to light and we're seeing that the community now has people people that they can go to that says, okay, this is your job. So this is what we need you to do. This is what we need you to listen to. And now we can use that and kind of figure out how to improve those situations. Um, you know, uh, of course, that's a city level, but our mayor, um, Karen Bass, when she was a congresswoman and when she was a state assemblywoman, was always focused and even at community coalition on foster yeah. youth, right? Yeah. And we have seen some, we've seen changes. Of course, Supervisor Holly Mitchell, uh, before, you know, joining the Board of Supervisors, uh, was uh, over crystal stairs. Yeah. And so I think the, we, you know, we're talking about this off the air, the number of powerful black women in these systems is also, I would think, making a difference uh, when you talk about the way that we deal specifically with black youth, which, you know, we know black youth are more, more likely to be taken out of the home. We know that uh, they're overrepresented in the foster system. So, um, Talk to me about, you know, how, why we maybe uh, as black um, professionals or, or black uh, change makers should consider getting involved in, in, with, you know, with a foster youth. You know, I, I, I think for us seeing the movement that's happening in particular with uh, more black leadership at the higher level within government and within the county, um, I think that that adds value to some of the work that we're seeing happening today. Um, and I would like to say, too, um, because of Supervisor Mitchell's um, 
focus around equity and her being yeah. in the community. She has um, an initiative now that she's been um, working on for a couple of years now, um, making sure that race equity is uplifted, particularly for black African-American communities. Um, just recently, she had an event where um, she wanted to bring the community out to learn more about how to eat healthy. And so things like that are so important when we talk about our foster youth, when we talk about our families, because we have to make sure that they're whole. You can't um, live and thrive if you're hungry and if you're not eating the proper foods, if you're not eating quality food. And so I like the fact that she's really getting deeper into the community to educate the community, to know that the community, um, for them to know that she's there and that we're there as an agency, um, Children and Family Services. And I will say that given um, what we've experienced within the last three years, we right, we've We've been through COVID. We've had some systemic things that have, have occurred within our county, within our country. Um, DCFS has been front and center with some of the policies that um, we have implemented recently and uplifted. And, and one of them in particular um, that I'll share, and Jamie knows, is um, we have a program. The community knows it as ERDD, um, which is Eliminating Racial Disproportionality and Disparity. And within that initiative, we work closely. We have the community at the table, as I mentioned earlier, um, but we work closely with our families to understand what the needs are, to understand what their worries are. Um, is it because um, the lack of education, whether it's um, needing more support for the family or is it needing more support for the child of why the child may be going through or experiencing some things, or is it employment, or is it because we're not engaged? Aging, um, enough with our fathers. And so we have numerous initiatives that we call promising strategies throughout the department. And so I think some of those things uh, are very critical and important. So when we talk about um, the leadership that we see, the, the black and brown faces that we see today to help us, um, that certainly adds value to what we're doing today. And, you know, a little earlier you were saying, you know, people should get involved, get active. And where is where do you do that? Is it a portal? Do you go to the Board of Supervisors? I mean, I mean, where would you literally start if you don't know how to engage with the county? Well, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we got this cultural broker program initiative that is um, it is exciting. It's it's been led by uh, some of our executive leadership. Um, we're a partner in that space um, as the Office of Equity um, with our ERDD uh, program, Eliminating Racial Dispar Disproportionality and Disparity, along with our LGBTQ+. And we also have a Women and Girls program within the Office of Equity Division. So we're a partner in that space um, with um, the community. And um, I would say that if someone asks, how do I get involved, 
um, really connect with their community leaders, um, with their community faith-based uh, organizations um, and other CBOs because they are uh, champions in this work. Um, and we do, like I said, have something that I can't really share at this moment. And I would certainly love to um, bring them back, um, our executive leaders, to really talk more in depth about what that means, what that feels Absolutely. like with the community. Absolutely. I'd ask the question like, what what are, what are you passionate about? What what is it? What part of the child welfare system do you want to get involved in? You know, we have steering committees, so we have you know a collaborative of people that come together from DCFS community. We have several of those people can get involved with. We also have a need for uh, resource homes for yeah. yes, what we call uh, foster homes. Now we have a, a huge need for for resource homes. So I think there's an array of ways that people can get involved. Um, reach out, and we will get you connected. I know there's never enough places to, to put the children. Um, are we seeing an increase in LGBTQ plus and African-American or black homes that are opening up? Is that still, um, you know, an urgent matter? It is. And, um, you know, I, we, I'm, Part of my job is to, to to leverage our workforce, and so we have LGBTQ plus champions in all of our twenty regional offices. And so, one of the things that they often come to me about is uh, um, homes that support, advocate for, and celebrate our LGBTQ plus youth. Mm -hmm. And so, we've over the last year really stepped up those efforts. Um, we are kind of tracking the data, as they say, um, around the number of we call them affirming resource homes. So homes where people um, are, are welcoming, accepting, and, and again, celebrate our LGBTQ plus and our black LGBTQ plus yeah. youth. And so we are um, sending that message, working with um, you know an organization like Raise a Child who does some work around um, recruiting for LGBTQ plus affirming resource homes. And so I think we're doing better in that area, but we still have some work to do. But it, there is a need, and that's why I, when, I, when you ask that question, how to get people get involved, if there are people who are interested in being resource homes, that is continues to be a need, especially for our, our BIPOC or And I, I just want to jump in there too, Dominique, just to make sure that um, the listeners and the community know that affirming homes, we're talking about nurturing, loving homes. And we know that there's um, still um, an education process, uh, an engagement process that needs to occur, particularly when we're talking about placing our LGBTQ plus foster youth. So we want to make sure that where they are placed, that they can feel loved, they can be themselves, so that they can thrive right. just like the rest of our, our foster youth. That is so important for us. And for those, um, and, and what about African American young people? I mean, it could be a similar situation. You need affirming homes, right? Definitely. And you know, just from a personal um, experience, I remember my, my nephew, um, really uh, having a struggle of coming out. And so he went through his own trauma, and it was because of the lack of engagement or the, even the understanding of our family and the pushback from the community of him wanting to be himself. So when I say that we need nurturing and loving, um, it really stems personally for me um, from that perspective. Right, but what about black kids yeah. that aren't LGBTQ+, plus? I mean, they still need affirming homes. For right? sure. Yeah. So is that part of the consideration? I know, you know, like we've t we've talked about already that we're black kids are overrepresented in the system. So how do we how you know, how do you match the lack of uh, 
placement, you know, opportunities for them with a need for them to be in, you know, affirming homes. I think it's similar. If I can, yeah, so I, I'm yeah. going to speak to just as a, a, for, a former foster adoptive parent who, you know, um, adopted a black kid from the foster care system. But I think we need to talk about it more. And I think yeah. I, I, I love the similarities between um, the need because, you know, I, when my son was younger, we talked about his hair a lot. He did not like his hair. He didn't know how to care for it. And he also talked about his skin color he, because I am, you know, I'm, I'm white and Asian and my partner is Costa Rican. And then our other son is Mexican. And so we had to go through this thought process about how do we, um, you know, get him in, in touch more with people that look like him and that know how to, I didn't know how to care for his hair. I didn't know which barbershop to go to. We had to figure out what barbershop could cut his hair. And I think we, you know, so much we talk about resource parents that want to be there for the kids. And so when we talk about being there for the kids, this is exactly what we mean when we say affirming. We need foster parents and resource homes that understand that if they don't have the resources, then they need to make sure that they get those resources. And so I think about our black and African-American youth who hair is important to or what barbershop they go to is important. Um, just, no, you know, skin care. What does that How's look like? How's your son doing with, with his hair now? Oh, he, uh, so I've been on this journey uh, with hair. I, you know, I've, I've tackled some of my own bias, just very transparent. I, I didn't know what do-rags were for. Um, he, he, he's wearing a bonnet. To, to, he, he, I'm learning through him, yeah. um, and I've I you know I let him go to his barber shops. I don't let him go. I'm like he needs to go to these barber shops. <laughs> you force him to go. To yeah. <laughs> go to the barber yeah. shop. So yeah, he's all over it now. He's he orders his his hair care. He's got his skin uh, lotion and everything going on. So he's he's 15 and and he's into water polo and he does swimming. And so I'm I'm like okay, you know that's another layer. Your hair and your <laughs> yeah. skin like yeah. so, so that's he's hilarious. doing well. Now you're w- more worried about his hair than he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listening to KBLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud, loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here. And time does fly when you're on the radio. Uh, Arena Turner is with us. She's a division chief at DCFS and Jaime Estrada, program manager, um, in specifically working with LGBTQ plus youth. Talk to me about this um, Raise a Child campaign. What is it? What do we need to know? Yeah, Raise a Child is an organization uh, that we've turned to that uh, really works with the community and helps recruit uh, resource parents. So they hold informational sessions and they really walk alongside resource parents. You know, to become a resource parent or a foster parent, you got to take classes and, you know, working with systems and the county can be difficult at time and all those processes. And Raise a Child just tries to make that a bit easier for people who are interested. Um, so they, uh, right now we've turned to them to recruit uh, resource homes for our LGBTQ plus youth, but really they will recruit for, uh, you know, anyone in, who is interested in working alongside our our, our, our foster youth. Um, so they do a real good job. And if you wanted some more information, you want to know when their inform- next informational session is, uh, you can find them at raiseachild.org, R-A-I-S-E-A-C-H-I-L-D.org, raiseachild.org. The county really does partner with a lot of community-based organizations, right? So yeah. that they can bring their expertise um, in partnership with the county's clout. Yes, and, and, and that's so true. Uh, we, we know we can't do this work alone. 
We cannot do this work alone. And we love having partners like Raise a Child to be at the table with us, to intentionally be engaged with us and making sure that our youth have the services and support that they need. So um, we can go to raiseachild.org, find out more, get involved. Um, and if we're, even if we're not, um, you know, LGBTQ plus or necessarily, you know, any black or any, any other necessary target group, anybody, right, can get and involved. Anybody. And the thing about Raise a Child is that they're not a foster family agency, so they will, uh, but they will get you connected to an agency maybe that you'd like to be connected to or if there's a certain population. I mean, they have their kind of their, their finger on the pulse or their pulse on the beat. Not quite <laughs> yeah. sure what that saying is. They're but there. <laughs> they're there and they're connected to a lot yeah. of the community-based organizations. So they'd be a great first stop, even if, even if it's just to get connected to someone yeah. else. Yeah, I'm on their site. And I see, you know, it says inspiring and encouraging, caring people to nurture children yeah. in foster care. Um, wh- what, is it, what is something, um, Arena, that you feel like it's a, a persistent misconception among black folks around the foster care system that you would like to set the record straight on right now? Um, you know, I really want uh, the community to know that we're not here to take children away from families. We're here to make sure that they're safe and um, we're here for their well-being. And so, you know, one of the things that um, I do want to uplift before we wrap up, Dominique, is that over the last three years, we have reduced the number of families coming in our system by 40%. That's huge. That's huge, massive. And that reflects 1,300 children that have not come into our system. And it's not to say that we're not there for them because we're certainly there for them in terms of, as I mentioned, our collaborative partners, our agencies, the community. And so we keep our eyes on the data, as Jamie mentioned. We keep our eyes on making sure that we better engage with our families in an attentional way. And so we want our families to know that we are there for them. Absolutely. And and um, I feel like you know you talk about people not being involved, I, I have seen what appears to be a rise in also relative caregivers, people being able to stay within their, somewhere within their extended family rather than necessarily going outside. You know, Dominique, that's interesting that you say that because I'm, I'm thinking about my own childhood and had my my family, my aunts and my uncles and my church community not there for me, I too probably would have been someone in the foster care system because I grew up in an alcoholic environment. Mm. But it was because of that close-knit family relationship that sustained my mother and my father. And my parents have been together for over 55 years today. Wow, that's amazing. Well, and also I think I, one of the reasons I mention it is because if you are one of those people that's taking care of your niece, nephew, yeah. baby cousin, yeah, you know, there may be support for you in the system, right? Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And and not only is there support, I mean, that's what we that's what we want to do. And we actually have some initiatives around connecting uh, youth that come into the system to their relatives. And uh, one of those initiatives is actually around fathers, uh, father yeah. engagement. We actually, the department actually just came out with a father engagement policy saying, hey, we need to do better in terms of reaching out um, to fathers and or other relatives who are not involved, whether they're in state or out of state. And then once they get connected to to that relative or to their father or mother, 
uh, or parent, then let's make sure that they have the services uh, and the support through the community. And so uh, there's even a lot of talk right now in the department about prevention. What mm-hmm. does prevention look like? Right, keeping the kids there yeah. so yeah. we don't have to place them. Right, yeah. exactly. Even yeah. before they get to the what child support is needed so they don't ha- end up yes. in there. Yeah. 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 Well, it's great work you guys are doing, Miss uh, Arena Turner and Mr. Jamie thank Estrada. You. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank, thank you. Dominique. A pleasure. Raiseachild.org. That's where you can start today. We are KBLA Talk 1580.